Hello and welcome to Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answers to. I'm Vib. And I'm Sean. And neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Before we get to the ep- episode, let's award the much-vaunted Expertise is Overrated Tinfoil Award. Now, I can't believe that this is happening again, given all of the nonsense I really that can. Spouted, right? But apparently, I've got this again. Because I said a couple of slightly stupid things, like Aria is purely part of the magical plot. I, I admit that was a bit silly. Um, and accidentally uttered the word large folk when I wasn't thinking. That on its own is enough <laughs> of a reason. I mean, it's not tinfoil, but it's extreme stupidity. It's, I, this just feels... I feel like the, the cards are stacked against me here. But I am getting an honourable mention here. I'm pulling... I don't know what I'm using, um, but some sort of trump card or whatever it is to say that you <laughs> came very, very, very close to getting it. For your absolutely non- nonsense for statement. speaking the truth. That Robert Baratheon went to war for love. Just no, absolutely not. Go back and reread the series. It's the truth. Oh, I'm prepared to die on this hill, much like Robert was for Lyanna's heart. Um, <laughs> no, you're quite right. It was it was a very close call, but I think it was just the combination of saying Arya is purely magical. It's it's that you stressed it so much. I was yeah, I was. Quite and then combining it with large folk. <laughs> And then, frankly, for suggesting that Bran was a hero, but um, you're not going to let me have that one. So, moving on, <laughs> let's have uh, let's talk a bit about some feedback on our previous episodes. Yeah, so we've had some some good feedback, and we really encourage you to keep it coming. It it does actually really make doing this worth it. Um, oh, absolutely! Much though we love the sounds of our own voices, we don't actually have to record these. So, you guys can you guys pitching in really really. Gives us a reason to keep irritating you with the nonsense that we're spouting. One hundred percent. I mean, part of the reason that I want comments is so I can actually get a better co-host. <laughs> wow. <Nope. laughs> uh, no, but um, a very close friend of mine uh, gave gave me some some personal feedback on on one of the Warhammer or both the Warhammer episodes. Actually, she said she listened to it having never or not knowing anything about the Warhammer universe, and she she said she quite enjoyed them. Uh, and is thinking about um, starting to maybe collect some models, which would be fun. Uh, even though she's, so, she claims she's used to at painting, but um, Games Workshop, you know what to do. Yeah, our invoice is in the post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we expect uh, full full uh, payout there. Um, but yeah, if you've been inspired to take up anything that we've talked about, you know, give the Dresden Files a read, um, watch or read The Lord of the Rings, do let us know. Um, we also had a lot of good comments on our most recent episode talking about who the hero of A Song of Ice and Fire is. Some really, really good comments, uh, particularly on the A Song of Ice and Fire subreddit. The consensus on that sub seems to be that some variation of the main five, whoever they might be, uh, are the heroes. But I would say, you know, at the moment, John Snow is in the lead as, as the sub's favourite for overall I hero think so. of the of the series. I think so. It's, it's, see, it's interesting that you say whoever the main five may be, because just before we started recording this one, um, you wrote down who the main five were, and I disagreed with you. So we're clearly <laughs> not done with that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think we'd need to go back to the pitch letter that Martin wrote to work out exactly who people. Oh, what does Martin that. know about it? So that was that was going to be my next point. There were some really <laughs> interesting points around what Martin's intent was, what he wanted people to take away from his series. Um, one of the first comments we received was that there are no heroes. Everyone is some sort of shade of grey. But unfortunately for that person, they use Jamie Lannister as their example, and I refuse to accept that Jamie Lannister is anything other than a filthy criminal and absolute villain. So, you know. It was an unfortunate use, from. wasn't it? Of, of uh, yeah, an unfortunate example to pick. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting point. Uh, well, I say it's interesting. It's it's kind of <laughs> it's the one point. point that everyone's been using for years, and is therefore I, kind of dull, actually. So I also don't think that it's quite as shades of grey a series as everyone likes to think that it is, because there are some genuine good people and some genuine villains. So while you say that, it was interesting that one one person commented on on. Uh, your example of Rob, right, and said, well, why is Rob a good guy? Yeah, no, I thought that was fair. I disagree with them. Um, no, this was this was the Rob's campaign 
in the Riverlands and the fact that he waged a, a he went he essentially sacked the Riverlands and that not the Riverlands sorry the Westerlands and that that sh- therefore should um, and crucially reneged if, on a deal he made with someone. Well, I don't know that that was their point. I think their point. No, but it's my a, point. Is your point? But I, I have an answer to your point. But that's last week's episode. Absolutely, um, and clearly an episode we, coming to you in the future. <laughs> there's, there's another episode. I think. I think on Shades of Grey in in a Song of Ice and Fire that feels yeah. like what what we should be talking about. Uh, but no, as as we said, thank you very much for for all your f- feedback and do keep it absolutely. Coming. That feedback is very very important to us. Um, right, shall we get to it? Let's. What are we actually doing today? So today, we said that we were going to try and get to the bottom of the concept of immortality in the Dresden Files. Um, what is it, first? How does it work? And how do you get it? I think are the sort of three questions that we should really try and answer. But before we dive into that, do you think it'd be useful to work out, or to try and work out at least, either in category or in specific, who the immortals are. I I do. Um, even though, in many ways, there's a very short answer to that, I think, which is anyone who isn't human. <laughs> ah, no, you see, I think we're going to hit our first rub there, because you take someone like the Red King, for example, they're front of mind just because, or he's front of mind just because I... I've only just finished Changes. Um, so you haven't the read King, the series? For the third or fourth time. <laughs> um, but the Red King dies. Spoiler alert. Dead. Uh, if you've got this far into our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He just outright... He, he, he dies, yes. And uh, as to all the immortal Red Court vampires. Um... But are the, the Lords of Outer Night Distinct from Red Court vampires, other than in age. So, ah, uh, you see, that's, that's already a really interesting point, I think, um, and is perhaps so, more pertinent to when we talk about the Black Court and Dracul, who, yes, is Black Court. I'm not having anything else. Um, <laughs> All right, <We've> just, <laughs> just straight in with the nonsense, really right from the start. Um, <laughs> I'm, he's I'm, provably not. I, I want to take the tinfoil hat off you because it just seems unfair. <laughs> Are any of the vampires immortal? Any of them at all? I don't know. I mean, so 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 my point there is that there's a clearly a correlation, I think, between age of a vampire and their relative strength. True. And I think before changes, had you asked me, can you kill a red court vampire? Well, quite clearly, because they're, they're one of the first quote unquote big bads that we see die in Bianca. Well, I mean, I suppose she gets. Drag literally into the spirit world or whatever. Actually yeah, happens but we see them. red court vampires die. Yeah, they they die and, they, the and they're killed. And then there's uh, in I want to say proven guilty. Yes, where there's the the massive attack on the council uh, where Michael shows up. Yes, that's proven uh, guilty. As yeah, as Harry's defending Molly essentially from the council, because in the, in that it's said that Morgan gets within arm's length almost of the Red King, and the the suggestion is he's just going to kill him. So they're not, at least as far as I think the wizards view them, they're not immortal, and they clearly have killed them. But the counter-argument in my mind, and and this will probably be the the main theme of the discussion from me anyway, is I think when they're faced with with the Fae, and even the She, they quite clearly think they can kill them. And we see instances of Harry killing She, you know. But do they die? Well, that's... I guess you're talking about Cold Days, specifically. Uh, yes. Where Harry, Harry kills a she-lord at um, his birthday party. Or, yeah. I guess, in Summer Night. Quite literally... Yeah, well, yeah, Summer Night, I think we'll, we'll put a pin in, because that, that, <laughs> that one's a real I'm not. I'm problem. not talking about Aurora, I'm talking about other, other she-knights. No, of course, of course. But I think, and, and this is really interesting, right? Because in, in those situations, he, he sort of kills them en passant, shall we say. And that's sort of the end of it. You don't, you don't necessarily... You, you A, don't see him kill any named characters. And B, there's no sort of 
time where he, you know he walks past them and says, like, "Oh, didn't I kill you before?" Um, a la no. Vulcan, maybe. Whereas, so, so so I guess it's it's left up in the air, is what I'm trying to say, right? That these 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 she might be dead, or they might have reincarnated somehow, or reassembled their bodies, a la the Earl King. Whereas the Red Court, well, all the Red Court is fully dead. With a with a with a couple of possible exceptions, yes. Um, there's a, a theory that the Ebes could have survived because they weren't in the material realm; they were still in the Earl King's domain. But I, I think, for all intents and purposes, yes, every single Red Court vampire is gone. Um, okay, but so who, who who is definitely immortal? Maybe that's an easier place to start. Definitely immortal. Definitely immortal. You know what? I'm actually kind of struggling here. Okay, because the the obvious Earl answer, King. I think, with, with the exception of the White God, um, although that we can, oh gosh, yeah, philosophize about that one. <laughs> I, I guess the next most obvious answer would be uh, Old Mister Sunshine. You know, our favorite Uriel. Yes, but there's a book where he's quite clearly very mortal. In fact, he's he's kind of afraid. But that's well, he's not yeah, afraid. He's but you know, he he knows that he could be killed. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely he not afraid. He's a man. He's not that. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's that very has, much suggested yeah. that he could die at that point. So, is he immortal? I don't know. I think. I think. What? I think archangels are immortal. The point is that well, at that point, Uriel is not an archangel. Yeah, and that's really interesting, isn't it? Because we described archangels previously as forces of nature, for lack of oh, a, a yes. better description. Um, but there's an there's an interesting disconnect, right? Because when he gives his grace or whatever it is that he gives to Michael, he becomes a a, a guy who's capable of, of dying. You would think that Uriel, being as powerful as he could, could just sort of morph himself into Michael. Yeah, but I guess part of it is if he's <sighs> we're getting way off the beaten track so early. But I guess part of it is <laughs> if it was always going to be like this. If if Uriel were to So the White God's big thing is all choice, right? Yeah. So part of that is that all that Uriel can do is empower Michael to make to to make a choice. He yes. makes he makes Michael more capable of making a choice than the otherwise would be. That's his whole thing. I I can help you step out the gate. That's all I can do. Um whereas if he were to go inside Michael, that feels one very anime in a way that I don't think the Dresden Files particularly is but also it, it, Michael is less like making being assisted in making a choice there I don't know it feels different it's it's yeah I guess what you're saying is that it's more or less Uriel imposing his his will yeah because not there's nothing strength. there's nothing so the whole point is Michael gets given the jet engine right and then Uriel has no control over what Michael does with it. Yes. Michael could kill Uriel while Absolutely. Uriel has given him his grace, Absolutely. which Michael probably couldn't do if Uriel's inside him. So so I think that there's there's two sides to this, right? So A, as you say, that it's 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 Uriel allowing Michael to make a choice and having faith that Michael is a good person and my goodness is he a good person. But how does how does an angel that isn't capable of exercising free will have faith? He doesn't need to exercise free will. He he but he knows. faith is the ultimate expression of free will. It's choosing to believe something without evidence. That's, well, that's the ultimate maybe. expression. Maybe yeah, of free I suppose will. faith is the wrong word. But but Uriel, by virtue of what he is, has no choice but to believe. The words just he, don't he, make he, any he, sense. Because <laughs> you're right. You're right. That what my, what Uriel has is faith that Michael will do well. But, but Uriel is also not capable of but perhaps, faith. But perhaps that's also too complicated a way to look at it. I, I, I suppose maybe the easier way of looking at things is that the only way that Uriel and arguably other archangels or beings of that level, the only way that they can help a mortal like Michael is by making a sacrifice, right? Uriel can't Putting just give his power risk. to, yeah, exactly, to a, to, a, to a mortal. He has to risk his power. He has to risk falling. Yes. He has to risk death. Which that's I think, I mean, that's, that's very, that's very, um, Abrahamic. That's not a, yes. that's not a term, is it? No, it is. It's absolutely the word Abrahamic. 
Yeah, that sounds ridiculous, but then I suppose that's fitting. It's exactly the choice offered to Abraham, right? He had to make a sacrifice in order to show his devotion. He didn't actually, in the end, but he had to show that he was willing. He was he was willing to make that sacrifice. Yeah. So so <laughs> yeah, Uriel the person, possibly mortal, but Uriel the 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 thing, the power that is Mister Sunshine, immortal. But yes, I think definitely. this brings us on to the the the, ki- the core concept that we need to discuss somehow, which is, is what what on earth is power? What are mantles? Okay. What is immortality? Because yeah. I think with a capital I, what we would discover really quickly is that anyone that we said was immortal, Mab, Titania, the mothers, the Earl King, Odin, actually what we're describing there is mantles. Right, so oh, Mab, are we? Mab, Mab the, the person isn't immortal. But the queen, Mab, the queen of air and darkness, queen of the winter court, is immortal. But if Mab dies at Halloween, Molly becomes Mab, or does Molly become she Molly, the, the queen, queen of, of air and yeah, darkness? Yeah, she becomes queen of air and darkness. I'm pretty sure. Otherwise, what's the point of their names, right? Because it's not like Molly becomes Maeve. She's oh, just no, Molly. Molly doesn't become Maeve, that's very true. So I, I don't necessarily see why... You know, because when you get to the top level of that particular um, side of, of the never-never, right? You become Mother Summer or Mother Winter, and they they each have their other titles, some of which we know, but, but no one ever calls them by their first name, presumably because people have forgotten what it is. Yeah, but Mother Summer... Mother Summer was Titania. Not necessarily called Titania, but she was Queen of the Winter Court. Of the Summer Court. Fuck, that's gone horrible. Well, we technically don't... Do we know that? We, we know that she's not the first Mother Summer. She no, may not have true. been that's, the Queen. No, that's a, that's a fair distinction. Um, it's it's almost certainly the case that she was the Queen. Uh, unless something really terrible happened to Summer one winter. <laughs> but... She was actually just eldest gruff. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Um, well, but th- th- you mentioned an interesting one there again because the, the mantle of eldest, I think, is something. Uh, yeah, yes, it, that is that does that. seem to be a mantle, right? And we we've seen, yeah, we've seen that with the gruffs. We've seen that with the gruffs. We've Although seen we haven't seen fetches. it with the fetches, have we? I mean, we've seen eldest. Well, we haven't fetch. seen someone become eldest fetch. We also assume that that is Eldest Fetch. Oh, I think it's said, isn't it? Is it ever explicit that he is the oldest, or it is the oldest I literally oldest finished fetch. this book about three days ago, and I've already forgotten. I'm pretty sure it's said specifically that he is Eldest Fetch. Okay, I'll, I'll, um, I'll accept that. I can't, I can't remember whether it's, it's said or Harry assumes it, because those are two very different things. And in the end, I mean, that <laughs> Eldest really Fetch's matter. body explodes, more or less. Yes. But does that mean Eldest Fetch is dead? So I, my theory for some of this, and I don't, have a, I don't have it completely coherently, is that this idea that mantles can only transfer at Halloween is flawed. That's nonsense. Well, it's provably not nonsense because it happens on the stone table. No, no, but as, no, but the fact that it can only happen is nonsense. Oh, right. Okay, right. You're agreeing with me. Yeah, um, no, I'm agreeing with you. I'm, say, I'm saying the concept is nonsense. I know it's sorry, a shock. I'm so, I'm so unused to that <laughs> feeling. I didn't know how to react. No, I think, I think, I think that's the point. I think. So, I can't, I can't put my finger on exactly it. But so, take eldest fetch for example. It is entirely possible that what happened in proven guilty is that Harry destroyed the body of the immortal being known as Eldest Fetch, but didn't destroy the creature Eldest Fetch, and so over the course of years, Eldest Fetch will sort of reincarnate a body for itself. Yes. Equally possible, I think, is that 
a confluence of events meant that unloading summer's fire into winter's wellspring meant that Harry could actually kill Eldest Fetch. And so the mantle of Eldest Fetch would transfer to the next oldest, one assumes Fetch, who then becomes, for all intents and purposes, Eldest Fetch. Okay. I think so, either of those things are possible. And so by that logic, could Harry in that moment have killed Mab? By my own logic, yes. If he does, assuming that she let him, because I mean, assuming that she let him, <laughs> if he gets lucky, yes, would she have died. Maeve would have become. Well, that would have been bad. Maeve would have. It would have been bad. Queen of uh, Air and Darkness. Yes, um, and I think that this is this is definitely an episode we're doing. Is what the fuck happened at Arctis Tour? Because, <laughs> like no, I said, I've just reread Proven Guilty, and it's a it's a fantastic book, and I, I recommend anyone either goes back and reads it or, or reads that book. It it's, really it's, is it's phenomenal. Really, where I think there's a lot of chat about what the, the the first best book is. I think Proven Guilty is well in with a shout. It is well in with a shout. Yeah, for sure. It pulls so many storylines. Because I mean, we're we're now talking about one very deep concept, which is immortality and whether or not Eldest Fetch is dead. But that's only one of the unbelievable number it's of exciting things that happen there. Yeah, exactly. The fetches are sort of well, quite what what their role in all of that is is is, is hard to know. But staying on the Fey, you have said to me previously that the Fey have to be immortal because that's the only yes. way the outer gates work. Yes, uh, and this is. Analogous to one of my favourite arguments for many fantasy and sci-fi series is otherwise the numbers don't make any sense. And of course, in some examples, <laughs> the, the numbers, in fact, don't make any sense. Um, so yeah, let me let me walk you through that one. So, it, it, it's interesting, right? Because as the series develops, it, it sort of starts off as summer and winter are very much polar opposites and perfectly balanced. And then, of course, yes. we find out that that's not really true because winter is huge <laughs> uh, because they yes. guard the outer gates. Uh, and so my thinking for 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 them being, to all intents and purposes, entirely mortal. Now I'm including anything from Mab down to you know some lowly goblin, and probably even the spiders that Harry runs into, as functionally immortal because they must die a lot at the gates. Would just just to jump in there. Would you include Toot Toot in that? Once he's declared, the wild fair are arguably a little weird, uh, and I don't really have a good reason for why they're weird, except that they haven't declared for one court or another. But we do know of at least one immortal wild fay. Ah, uh, well, but he he he's got a caveat, right? Because he is technically part of the winter court. This this is where battlegrounds just confuses everything. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean the Earl King is one of Mab's most puissant vassals? Get out of here. I, I think that's Jim, Bo- that's Jim Butcher thinking, oh, fuck, I've made him immortal. Uh, <laughs> How do I have made this work? <laughs> he needs to be part of the Winter Court. Um, but that's, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. And but but, but, but my, my thinking sorry. for them all being immortal, sorry, is, is, to, is, is just because I imagine that they keep dying. And sooner or later, the outsiders will just overwhelm the outer gates. And that clearly doesn't happen. So unless they, as I think you once eloquently put it, fornicate like rabbits. And also manipulate time. Yeah, manipulate time. I know, but I never liked that as an argument because it's so bloody complicated. it, It makes everything more complicated. But we know that some sort of time fuckery does go on because Rashid is the oldest wizard by birth date, but not the oldest wizard on the council. I know. Uh, Rashid is just so weird and confusing. Such a such an alpha move. But then wizards <laughs> yeah, I, are confusing I, anyway, right? Cause, wizard, wizards are confusing anyway. Because Langtree is the... Well, I, I suppose Ancient Mai is probably the, the actual eldest uh, my wizard. My assumption is that Ancient Mai is the oldest wizard, yeah. because that's the only reason that the word ancient would make any sense. It's a title. But it's interesting, right? Because when, when you hear Harry talk about Mai and Christos and Langtree and Rashid, they're described as, yeah, older-looking wizards. Mai is but when, very old. But when he talks about Ebb, like he, he's clearly talking about an old man. And when he talks about Listens to Wind, and when he talks about Martha Luthi, like he describes them as like old and decrepit almost. What? Whereas no, Langtree's no, like the spry fellow, even though he's presumably... 
maybe even 100 well, years Ebb's, older. Ebb's also done a lifetime of old labor, right? Of hard labor. Right, he works a on wizard. a farm despite being 450 years old. And maybe he's Mai is described as ancient, like looking ancient. Yeah, no, that, that is true. Um, Liberty, I give you. Listens is hard one. And I'm going to put that down slightly blithely to um, him being Native American and that giving rise to sort of looking quite sort of weather-beaten and, and, and aged. And there's no way to say that without sounding insensitive, and I don't mean to. But I think... Um, I, I, <laughs> I, know, I, I, gen- I know what you mean. I genuinely hand on heart apologise to anyone who, who took that in, a, in the way that it was not intended. Um, no, but I think I know what you mean. Um, but I think that there is a, there's a, a little passage where Listens to Wind arrives and sort of like rubs his feet or something. Like he's quite clearly... He doing, does. doing a sort of older person thing, you know. <laughs> he does, but right. The, I read a really interesting theory about this, which is that wizards. I think someone has been reading too much Brandon Sanderson, but um, wizards essentially age in the manner that they expect to. So Harry has more scar tissue than a wizard with his healing factor should have, but Harry views himself as a scarred hard-bitten, hard-boiled detective, and so his scars don't fade as easily as others do. Ebb views himself as a hard-working, salt-of-the-earth type, so he doesn't... His his sort of healing factor, again, keeps him looking like that. They, they, they remain looking the way they think they should look, and Langtree has such an inflated opinion of himself, rightly or wrongly, that he looks like classical depictions of Merlin. Yes. No, I think that you're absolutely spot on. And as I say, I can't take credit for that. That was someone else's good idea. No, sure. As as most of your good ideas are, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, so, so, But the interesting thing there, to bring it back to what we're actually talking about, is... You know, we talked about the Merlin. That's one form of immortality, and it's it's one form of a mantle that's passed on to quite clearly different people who still stand for the same thing. Much in the way that if, if Mab were to die, the Queen of Air and Darkness does not die. It's a more instantaneous process, I imagine, right? When, when the Queen of... As in when Mab dies, that mantle of power, which is somewhat more tangible, I think, than the mantle of the Merlin. So I think that's the distinction that there is a, a the mantle of Queen of Air and Darkness is not, is, is, is a tangible amount of power, however much that be. I want to go very, it, back it, very It is, but, but is it actually, or is it just because we have three queens who determine how that power is used? Much like there is a, a, a white council and a senior council on top of that who decide who becomes the Merlin? Because what what happens if you know Sarissa, Titania, and Mother Summer all died at once? What then happens? And also, none of the winter fair around because they they sort of with the stone table get the power, and it all gets very confusing. All right? Does does the mantle endure? Does the power endure? Power flows into the nearest and most Fae-adjacent uh, mortals, I think. In order well, or I guess she, right? I, they would probably go for... Well, I don't... I mean, no. Can a she become a queen? I don't think so. I have no evidence for this. Uh, thought, I would argue with you that the, that a Fae does in Sarissa but Sarissa's a, a, She's a changeling, never yeah. So, but yeah. So, but you're mortal until you choose, which is strange. Because I know because choosing L- is the whole is thing that defines a, mortals. <laughs> Lily's also a changeling. Lily's also. I'm also trying to think now of who who could have possibly. I guess, we but don't there are know. a whole bunch of. I, I can't quite remember. I haven't got to cold days yet. Um, but it's interesting. But, but it's when, interesting you say that, right? Because if the mother dies, the power uh, flows into what? to the next queen, who's a, who's well, a we've fae. Not, we've not seen that, but we assume so, that Mab would become Mother Winter. Yeah, the same way that Maeve would become, have become... Or Maeve would have become 
Mab. Yeah. Or the Queen of Air and Darkness. And yeah. someone would have become Maeve. But I... Because if you think it through, and I, I think I'm right in saying this. I doubt it. When Maeve dies, the obvious person to become Maeve, if it can be a she, is Jenny Greenteeth. No? Why? Because she's Maeve's number two. She's Maeve's Lee. Or Leah. Yes, so why wouldn't Leah be the no, next no, Winter when, Lady? When Maeve dies, I mean. Yeah, but why wouldn't it go to Leah, seeing as she's number two in the Winter Court? Because it's a step down. I think. Well, mm, but I, maybe mm. being being Mab's second seems to be. It depends how you look at it, right? Because I think we stopped talking about immortality. But... Well, it's, it's it's all it's all linked. I I think we'll 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 bring it back around to we will. somehow. We will. <laughs> We've gone completely off piece. But I mean, it's it, we're talking about power, which is which is ultimately the the source of the, immortality the in the universe, right? Yeah. Because, because I think, like when when the winter, uh, sorry, when the summer night dies, yes, right. I think the suggestion is that that power could be taken by the summer queens. It goes back to the queens, exactly, and then they they direct where it goes. So if the yeah, winter so that's, lady that's dies, what happened with well, with rule, with Robert yeah, because I think that. That he gets killed, then Aurora, Aurora it takes it, and puts it in Lily, right? So it, d- it doesn't just Lily automatically just go to Lily because she's like the nearest or something. But when, but when Maeve dies and when Lily dies, it doesn't look like Mab controls where the lady, the Winter Lady, goes. It the power decides, or maybe Mab does because Mab has been preparing through Leah, both Sarissa and Molly. But then yeah. Titan- why would Titania choose Sarissa? No, but I think Titania... Yeah, this is interesting. I-, I wonder if Titania at that point in time doesn't have a choice because she's not there. Ah, uh, maybe. And interestingly, right, because uh, Lily's power goes for Sarissa, who's the most famous. But Lily also dies said. first. Yeah, exactly. So Lily, Lily dies first and her power jumps to Sarissa. Not Molly. Not Molly, because Sarissa is more closely attuned to the Fae Courts. Or is quite literally stood closer. I can't or, quite is, remember. or is potentially literally stood closer. And then Maeve dies. Inst- like sec- Milliseconds later, but it is later, and then so her... Yeah. But, the power, but the power doesn't go for uh, Murph, for example. Well, Murph, has, Murph is in no way Fae adjacent. In the way that Lily has become through ghost story. No, but but is she more fair adjacent or less fair adjacent than Molly? But Molly Molly spends the entirety of ghost story being molded being trained, or pre-girl yeah. story being trained by Leah. And but either way, it doesn't it doesn't Leah. yeah it doesn't prove one way or another if Mab no chooses where to put the but power Ma- and Titania's Ma- not there so she can't. Titania's not there. Mab does say and it, I haven't yet finished. I haven't got to call today's yet, so I'm, I'm remembering this from my last read-through. Something along the lines of she had always intended Summer's power to go to Molly, because she thought Molly had a better Summer Court temperament. <laughs> so that implies <laughs> that she didn't... <laughs> well, yes. I think, I think of, of between Sarissa and Molly, I think Sarissa is Sarissa definitely is the more, more, the more yeah. summary one. Despite being Mab's daughter, which is quite funny. Yeah, but that makes Titania her aunt, so it's all good. Yeah. It's also weird. Um... But I think we've definitely established at this point that the holders of that particular power are not immortal in, in and of themselves. Well, they, I, no, I think they are. No, the power itself is. No, they're immortal save for specific circumstances. Which is, oh, the, balance, yeah, sure, think, is sure. the balance of them being immortal. Because <laughs> ever the all power needs balance, so they can't be immortal forever. Oh, see, my head is my head is slowly breaking. This again, I know. Uh, I, I feel we've, we've, it, we've discussed this on and off in our own time. If you you know, on we, occasion, we keep going around in circles. That's that's why we've brought it brought it to an episode because this is actually a cry for help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please, please comment, save, tell us, explain it to s- us, save us from ourselves. No, um, the Fae are weird. I don't think you're right about 
the all Fae being immortal because, and I've just remembered this, in Battlegrounds, Molly says that she has been busy replenishing numbers. She yeah, but what to... does that mean? That could mean anything. <laughs> I assumed causing Winter Fae to breed? Maybe not. I don't know. Or just looking after rehabilitation. Because I mean, I, it's, it, I, I don't imagine it's like an instantaneous process. You know, you die on the outer gates and tomorrow morning you're, you know, Tom Cruise, uh, edge, what's it called? Edge, edge of Tomorrow? No. Yeah. Yeah, it is that, isn't it? Live, die, repeat. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, die one day, back in the action the next day. I don't, I don't think it's quite like that, but I think their, okay. their spirits sort of endure. Oh, I don't know, because I mean, they they do also still feel pain and fear of death and stuff, right? Because we see that in the the ogres and the trolls. You see that in the ogres and the trolls, and you also see that in the she-listen when Harry threatens them, after he kills that one, or does whatever it is that he does to that one in Cold Days. The rest of them listen to him. They don't, like... Yeah, well, maybe it is still are. really painful, but they they get yeah maybe reincarnated. Maybe. maybe it's more Lord of the Rings than we think, and they just chill in Mandos's halls for a little while. <laughs> massive, I don't know. Massive crossing of the streams. I've got one for you though. I've got okay. one for you though. Hit me. Is Ferrovax immortal? <laughs> Absolutely no idea. I mean, Cyrovax uh, definitely doesn't seem to be, or have been, unless unless the swords change the balance. Well, yeah, but then that's 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 the same loophole as the the fairy queens are immortal, except when it's Halloween. But I, yeah, but when I say immortal, I mean functionally immortal, like we see Mab in Battlegrounds essentially get impaled by like 75 I think what's what's clear from all of this well actually I say that with such confidence and perhaps it's not clear Ferravax to my mind is ageless the same with that imagine yeah. Uriel is ageless the same way I was going to say the the she are ageless but the mothers are quite clearly very old so unless that's a that's something to do with the power specific to the queens that there's some element that they must age in order to pass on eventually I don't know Elders and other she might be ageless ages. Elders Grav looks old. Yeah, he looks old, but I think that's arguably the same sort of argument as with the Merlin. He wants to appear old and ah, potentially, wizard. Potentially, potentially. Uh, because Eldest Fetch doesn't, I mean, he looks like a scarecrow, so it's, I guess it's hard to judge, but... That's confusing. <laughs> I mean, because the fair also shapeshifters, we have to remember, so... <laughs> they are, they are. Maybe Mother Summer actually looks like a 25-year-old. It's It's, it's really <laughs> unclear. Um, but Ferrovax, yeah, he's immortal. Has to be. So if I somehow were to walk up to Ferrovax on Halloween and chop his head off, he nothing would happen. Um, Barring I think, I think a, lot, a lot would happen. A lot of power the would be released. Probability of that. Um, so, uh, ask a different question. Are you saying that we need to differentiate? This is an unrelated. That we need to differentiate mantles from people. So, the Queen of Air and Darkness is immortal, but Mab is not. Yes, the same way that the power that is Uriel is immortal, but the body he astrally projects onto Earth is not. I have absolutely no idea. I'm just, I think, get, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to work out. I think maybe the, the, yeah, I think where we're maybe getting caught up is is we're talking about the she and the fae, which are weird, as you say. Yeah. Perhaps starting with someone like Pharaoh is is better because I I I guess we have no evidence, right? Because he's, well, we he's clearly some. ancient, but it's not like he's. We have some evidence because, as you said, um, we know Michael killed um, Sithorax. Sithorax, whatever his name was. Something like those lines, yeah. S-something dragon. Um, And I think we're meant to assume that that was a capital D dragon in the same way that Ferrovax is. Well, Ferrovax would tell you differently, right? Perhaps Uh, not of the same magnitude, but still of the same category. Yes. I mean, Pharaoh says that he's the greatest of, of he does. his kind, but then I, sus- I suspect the dragons, as they so yeah, often are, are, are a little arrogant. Meet, 
never going to meet a dragon who's like, I'm the fourth best of my Yeah, guy. exactly. Don't worry about it. Um, and as you've mentioned, I think the swords are such a game changer for all of this because... Yes. I mean, something, something, that's, Jesus. That's what they do. They level the playing field. Well, quite. So maybe Pharaoh's not the right place to start. Well, you know where, it's, it's you know pure conjecture at that point. You know where might be the right place to start? And Odin. This is seldom the case in the Dresden Files, but yeah, Odin. Yeah. Odin, because he... Now, he's he's a... Yeah, he's a really interesting one, right? Because I, I know you have some interesting theories on Odin, so why don't you... Why don't you oh, I, 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 have, I have way too many theories on Odin. Um, yeah, same. That's why I want you to go first. <laughs> the, the, one per, the one pertinent to this is that Donar Vadarung, CEO of Monarch Securities, is not immortal. Kringle is immortal, and Vadarung. <laughs> Vadarung is essentially going around picking up mantles. Ah, you see, but no, that... collecting power. I don't agree Belgium. with you on that. Okay. Because so, so what you're what you're essentially saying is that Donna Vadarung is a guy. Donna Vadarung is the being that what that Odin became after Odin put his mantle on a shelf. Okay, so then In who was Odin to... when Odin was wearing Odin's mantle? Odin. Right, so how can he give up his power and still be immortal? Because he cheats. I don't know. No, The reason he can give up his power and still be immortal is his immortality is being derived from Kringle, not from Odin. So now you're saying that the she are immortal. <laughs> no, I'm saying that the mantle of Kringle is immortal. I don't think the mantle of Kringle is a she mantle. Ooh, I think Mab would disagree with you there. She's welcome to. Um, doesn't <laughs> doesn't make no. Me yeah, I mean, uh, Vadarung, aka One Eye, aka Odin, aka Kringle, aka Beowulf, aka, AKA Lou. It, oh no, no, I'm not having that. <laughs> You're not espousing that nonsense in this particular session. No, no, I'll save that one. I'll save, save that, that one for another podcast. for a hot take where I destroy you. Live from live, spouting such nonsense. <laughs> Um, he's not, he's not Ethnew's son. No, um, but he, yes, okay, half fine. A so, dozen, half a dozen people listening to this who know nothing about Irish mythology just went, wait, what? Odin, <laughs> Odin is not Ethnew's son, damn it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I guess he could be some inherently, oh, I don't know, an inherently immortal being, or just timed it to perfection, or thought ahead. As in, he was he Odin and thought, I will eventually give up this mantle, but I kind of want to keep living, so I also will become a Kringle. So I need to spend some time um, building the idea of Kringle as adjacent to, but distinct from Odin, such that when it becomes mantle-level power, I can pick it up, because I'm the person most most associated with that power, and then I can put down the Odin mantle, put it on a put it in a skull somewhere. Um, oh no! <laughs> so you know what? The time, I, I think now, so the, now the time, is the time. Now, now the time has come for me to call you an absolute idiot. <laughs> I didn't necessarily mean that it was Bob, but you, you did, though, didn't you? I actually didn't. I was my my theory was going to be that Bob. Is Mimir? Oh, for heaven's sake! <laughs> and Odin used um, Bob's skull, Mimir's uh, head, to build a vessel for his own mantle. Was going to be my theory, uh, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> and, and Mab chopped his head off. Uh, chopped the head off Mimir. Is that what you're saying? Because she's angry with him. Sure. Yeah. Mab doesn't like Bob because Bob knows about Halloween. That's established. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but she also told Harry about that. Um, no, okay, but but no, Bob fo- following through that. where you're going with this. Yeah, but Mab knows that Harry knows. Um, yeah, because Mab doesn't actually care. This is Bob. Yes. Anyway, so, okay, so, so, so okay, <laughs> sure. Odin Odin decides he wants to become Kringle. Yeah. How does he do that? Is Kringle already a mantle? Yes. That he well, takes. Maybe. In which case, how does he do that? Okay. And so if uh, Kringle is indeed part of the Winter Court, how does he do it in such a way that Mab gives it to him? 
So, I'll accept that Kringle is part of the Winter Court because it probably makes everything simpler because you don't want to be creating too many different categories of power. Well, yeah, and he personifies our winter in many ways, isn't he? Exactly, exactly. So I think it makes sense. It does raise the question of, is the Easter Bunny a mantle? But let's just leave that one for now. Um, what I think probably happened is sometime as Christianity was moving into its ascendancy, so late, first millennium, early second millennium. Odin Allfather foresaw, because we know he has foresight, he tells us that it changes. Odin Allfather foresaw that his power was going to wane and he was going to be forced to make a choice. Who forces him to make a choice, I don't know, but we know from him that most of the gods chose immortality. Right, that's why Thor is playing football in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. But it, um, Odin decided he didn't want to do this because he's a meddlesome little shit, and so potentially worked with Mab. I don't know to to create another vessel of power or to create another mantle of power. So hang on, but so you're essentially saying that immortality comes at the price of. Of not being able to to have any fun, it doesn't know. So, so you're saying that Thor? Not that, not it, that you're it, not that you're not able to have fun, but your ability to f- influence humanity as a whole is see that's interesting though, right? Because Thor can can be an unbelievable, super strong human who doesn't age and play college football as a choice. But yeah. he can't go to Chicago to fight Ethnu, is that what you're saying? That appears to be the case, yeah. Oh, that makes no sense, doesn't it? Well, no, but we know it's the case. <laughs> we know it's the case because else, where is Thor? In battle. Well, but that, but that, yeah, no, but that, that's, that's, that's a much bigger argument, I think. Um, okay. Battleground is such a, an interesting book because Ethnu and the Fulmore are quite clearly supposed to be this unbelievably big threat and yet yeah, they're end game level threats well except that virtually none of the good guys show up to deal with it <laughs> no you've made that point you've made this point before and you've made it well i think um i don't know what to say <laughs> this is so so unusual you finally acknowledged my genius the, I wouldn't go that far. The podcast you, series can you, end. I've achieved my goal. <laughs> you, you picked the easiest hole to poke in, in battle. I mean, that's part of the genius, it. isn't it? Okay, where was I going with that? <laughs> no, so so uh, Odin and Mab work together to create, in big in whatever it is, the, the role of Kringle until it becomes a self-sustaining mantle of power in its own right. At which point Odin somehow puts up the mantle of Odin and becomes Donar Vadaron and Kringle. Ah, uh, okay. So I don't dislike that theory too much. I I'm think my that. my issue with it is, and and this is perhaps giving a spoiler for a future episode of us, which is who the heck are Mab and Titania? But I would argue that Kringle. There's a timing issue. I think I would argue that Kringle outdates who we suspect is Mab. I think Titanium. that's true. So maybe Kringle worked with Mother Winter. Well, not 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 necessarily Mother Winter, but perhaps or the old the previous old Mab. Queen. Yeah, and 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 probably old Mother Summer. Or if we yeah, assume the, the that she queen. were a thing when the Norse gods were in their ascendancy, or their, whoever, their power. whoever the queens were. Well, if the queens existed on. Less part of Odin putting up the mantle of Odin necessitated the change into the Winter Court that created Mab as a mantle. Yeah, possibly. Right, so so maybe it's a much bigger sort of stellar, uh, not stellar change, um, sea change than just Odin stopped being Odin. But the, the, inter- the interesting thing with that as well, though, is that 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 is very much a choice, right? That's a choice made by 
someone or something who at the time was quite possibly the strongest being in the universe. If if we Maybe. believe in the concept that sort of belief in particular deities is linked to their strength. This sort of, that that concept doesn't necessarily make sense. And this might just be no. because the Dresden Files is sort of quite aggressively Western European and Western civilization centric. But there's you know Native American no, deities. There's okay. There's also, so, so sorry. I, I will. I will retcon I know, that statement by saying being in, more powerful in, in than the White so, God. Yeah. yeah. Who, who, who? I think now we agree is is arguably the most powerful being in the Dresden universe, and the argument would still fly because there's. I want to say yeah. majority of Christians, uh, and if we include Islam, <laughs> and Judaism, and Judaism in, in that. I don't want to say the same God because that's horrendous. The Abrahamic, a lot of people, but yeah, the, the Abrahamic term exactly. is the Abrahamic religion. So. Yeah, so so if we say that 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 the White God is is some entity that encompasses all those three, I think the power argument holds. Um, so so I can't say that Odin was at one point maybe the strongest person, the uh, entity in the universe, because there would have been, you know, East Asian gods and yeah, and, that, that's um, my issue. But I know I know Hindu gods. Mean. Yeah, but he was he was on that power level. I, I think. Um, now, where was I going with this argument? I've forgotten. Um, no, yes. Odin, as some super powerful being, and we've discussed previously that, that superpower means limitations to act, decides that he just wants to be this immortal guy with a big round belly handing out presents. He, he, he cheats somehow, essentially, is what happens. But, but this, well, this, he either this... cheats or, or he has just put his mantle aside. But and can but pick my, it up my, again. No, my <laughs> point is, but so my point is, it, it works in a very specific way with the Norse gods because they have Ragnarok. So my theory is that the Norse gods specifically were told, "You have to go away until uh, Ragnarok, no. or you stop being immortal." Go away. So you're saying Ragnarok will still happen? Yes, and that's when we'll see Thor and Frey and. Heimdall and all of that, because that's a conflict that their power is intended to fight in, if that makes sense. So we'll see them in the, the big apocalyptic trilogy. Okay, so so you imagine the big apocalypse, uh, yeah, the BAT is, uh, is going to be some weird conflagration of all the apocalypse myths that exist. Yes. Yeah, no, I like that. I yes, like that. It is. It's going to be, it's Ragnarok and it's uh, Revelation. And it's other apocalypse myths that I don't know. Empty night, that is quite scary. Um <laughs> But they're all they're they're also all very all 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 apocalyptic myths are variations on a theme. Well, so all, all much like all, most creation most creation myths are variations on a theme. I think like it's not it's not as scary as it sounds, because it's just all of the good guys from every mythology against all of the bad guys from every mythology. And the concerning thing is that if it's based on Ragnarok, they lose. Hmm. Well. It's worrying for us. No. <laughs> no, because... Uh, things like Odin and Thor lose. Um, the, the, but they do they lose, lose for a greater good? In theory, but I think no one who's alive during Ragnarok sees it. Has always been my read. So, so it's part of an, an, yeah, an sure. cycle of, of birth and, 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 but, and death but, and regrowth. But but perhaps what the BAT really is, is the the death and disappearance of all things immortal. You know? Maybe. Archangels, Maybe. Norse gods, Zeus Pantheon, outsiders, uh, and all that's left at the end is a real world assume- filled, of, filled with mortals. I think we're assuming that the outsiders are immortal. I think we have to, because they exist. They, they, they sort of have to be because they exist outside time. So they're saying that they're exactly other than that doesn't make sense. Well, what would happen to them in the real world? I suppose is is a is an interesting question. Um, what if you just left one there? They become mortal, or so, you know, would they succumb to time? I've got I've got a weird one for you. I'm conscious of time, and we need, we have we have w- one big question still to come. <laughs> oh, do we? It, <laughs> just the one. Just the one. We've got lots of unanswered questions. And we could we make a whole other be... episode on this, I think. 
I think we're going to need to return to this. Um, but during changes, when they're talking about the bloodline curse, they say, someone says, I can't remember who it is, says that there's a risk that what will happen to Thomas is that his human side will die, because that's the bit that's connected to Harry, that his hunger will continue. So does that mean that the that the white core are essentially half immortal? No. Okay. Because I, I, no, because I think it's that scene in uh, uh, what book is it? Where Harry? No, of course, of course, it doesn't. Because you can kill a white court, white court's hunger. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Hmm. Because that's what happens with Inari, right? Yeah, but that's before the hunger sets in. See, because I'm but thinking still... of that exact book where where Harry soul gazes um, Thomas, right? And essentially, yeah. we get a glimpse into possibly what white court vampires go through. I think it's Blood, right? Yes, I think you're right. Um, We have their mortal soul, presumably. It's the mirror. Constantly fighting, yeah, in the the mirror with this this demon, this hunger. Mm -hmm. And they're constantly pulling. But I think once one of those two entities dies, so will the other. With the exception of something like Inari, where you sent, you 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 get rid of the demon before it's taken hold. I okay. think it's a codependency when you when you're at Thomas's level. It's a codependency, that. I think. I see that. The only reason I was asking was because that's specifically called out in changes as a possibility for Thomas if the curse comes off. Um, sort of yeah, like and, and actually, to, yeah, go on. Sort of like what happens to the Red Court half vampires, right? Yes, so some of them. Some of and, them, and they're and they're interesting, they're, right? Because their red courtness dies. Their red courtness die. dies, and it's also that scene when Leah just casually or takes out the vampire yeah. bit from Susan and uh, what's his or name. She, she puts it to sleep. Susan exactly. So so there's clearly two entities, and at least in them, because they're not full vampires, maybe there's there's something to be done. Yeah. All right. So. Last maybe you could maybe question. you could eventually even put those things in coins and have some sort of weird vampiric denarians running around. Should be, <laughs> should be quite interesting. Well, how have we not even talked about the denarians? Yeah, uh, the denarians immortal. I, I know, and I mentioned right at the start of the episode we were going to talk about the black court and <laughs> their elders, and we've not. All right, to we're going to need to. All right, this needs to go up as part one. We're going to need to do come back to this once once we've seen a few more of Jim Butcher's books. Maybe we'll get a better idea of what immortality is. I mean, maybe we'll get as some, a spoiler. Should, we'll get some more. As a spoiler, the Black Court aren't immortal; they're just undead, which is a fine distinction. Yeah. But I'm sure that it is one. But Dracul <laughs> is. Dracul is is just a Black Court elder. What about Kincaid? Kincaid, oh Kincaid! Well, there's a whole episode on what the heck is Kincaid. Okay, um, right. <laughs> this, this, is, this has just become what the <laughs> what is immortality part one. But we're going to close. Why, why the Dresden out. Files has more questions than answers? Part one. Yeah, we're going to close this out <laughs> with a short answer. Keep it keep it short. A couple of sentences or less. Will Harry Dresden become immortal by the end of the series? Not even a remote chance. Because it wow. would undermine his entire essence. It's like saying the white god will become mortal. Okay. Do you agree or disagree? So, I think I disagree. And the reason I think I disagree is the opening line to Stormfront reads, My name is Harry Blackstone Copperfield Dresden. Conjure by it at your peril, which sounds exactly like the sort of warning you'd put on a bunch of journals that you were going to store in your office to give to your apprentice and to be passed down to their apprentices if you were capable of being summoned. <laughs> Interesting. I disagree with that. Cool. Um, and of course, this is the great irony of it all, right? Because the true immortals in the series are the people who've written those journals. And not yes. the likes of Mab. Although, right. ironically, they're in the journal, so I guess they are now too immortal. Um, God damn it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, to whatever this was. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt we've said some things that were either objectively wrong or downright offensive. 
feel free to let us know, rate the podcast, and leave us a comment, or drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail.com, or tweet us at zero expertise, or check out our website, expertiseisoverrated.podbean.com. Uh, if you're lucky, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes, and if you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. Now, in our next episode, we will provide the 100% accurate and definitive ranking of all 11 Star Wars films, so get ready for more nonsense. <laughs> <laughs>